good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh Demigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we've helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, more you. Today, we welcome David Scarpetti to the Influential You podcast. Now, David is a partner and lead developer for Pondaware, the company behind the vintage NFT Mooncats. Now, if you've never heard of Mooncats or NFTs, I'm going to take a stab at it. But the way that I think of Pondaware is, is the company behind one of the first and only successful vintage internet trading card companies with loyal fans all around the world. And in a second, David will come and tell me if that's even close. But I've had the opportunity to learn much about David Scarpetti's work and the work with his team and work with all of them to create unique processes that are unparalleled in their field. Today, David is joining us to speak about his experience in his studies with Influential You, and I'm excited for you to hear his story. Join me in welcoming David Scarpetti to the Influential You podcast. Now, before we begin, David, how did I do with explaining NFTs? And, and would you explain to someone who still has his AOL email uh, what an NFT is and what your specialized knowledge of that world brings with it? Yeah, Josh, thanks. The, um, so, you know, NFTs are essentially digital collectibles. Um, what's changed now versus, you know, concepts of digital collectibles many years ago is we have the technology to, to give you irrevocable digital possession of things. So instead of having something that is, you know, you think you own, but is actually stored on some company server and, you know, they can revoke your access at any time, they can go out of business and leave you stranded and you don't really have any recourse. You can actually now possess things digitally. They, no one can take them from you. No one can prevent you from accessing them. You own them in a much more fundamental way. And, you know, that's a, uh, cryptocurrency technologies have have enabled that. Really, you know, they've only been around for 15 years or so. 15 years or so, and and you guys are one of the pioneers behind this in the sense that uh, Mooncats, which is sort of like an art piece, is your guys's. I mean, uh, creation. You you brought it to life, and now you in Ponderware focus on doing that for other people that want to kind of follow suit. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, that's uh, that's generally right. Right now, we're actually engaged in um, in our own venture, trying to um, produce a first-party project, which we're extremely excited about. It's, uh, if I seem a little tired right now, it's because we're working fourteen-hour days to bring this to life. Um, but yeah, we we also we specialize in bringing other people. You know, we we bring on clients. You know, what we ask is like that you have art, that you have vision and that you want to do something unique or interesting and we will make the technology happen for you we will take you end to end um, so you know you could just be an artist with an idea and you know we actually we successfully launched an artist uh, a couple of months ago which was really exciting in, in a really good time um and yeah we just we handle the tech right we're we're really good at it um, we're, we're really good at inventing and producing clever mechanics and yeah that's that's really our specialty i i love it and i think that that's 
that's good for me. I don't know if my grandparents will understand it, but that's okay. Uh, they don't watch the show anyway, so this is going to be perfect. So let's start with this. I want to talk a little bit about how it, life was like before Influential You. And you wrote in the show notes, it was the working with the same personalities, with the same disagreements and the same issues over and over and over again. And I'd love to hear more about kind of what life was like before you started studying with us at Influential You. Yeah, well, you know, there, there are still traces of it. Um, you know, if you caught me a second ago, I said, um, you know, we're working on inventing and producing a first party project. You know, no mention of presenting it, no, no mention of judging it. Um, you know, the, uh, I love inventors. Uh, you know, I have, I have a fatal attraction to inventors. I might be an inventor. I, I hope not, but you know, might be, um, but I get caught in inventor, producer, infinity loops, you know, mm. um, I get caught in them by myself and I get caught in them with others. Uh, and you know, before I started IU, I had no name for it, but I just saw it happen over and over again. You know, I'm doing work without, you know, I'm, I'm producing without, you know, knowing exactly where I'm going. And, you know, someone I'm working with is trying to rewrite the script every day. And, you know, that, uh, it can be fun, but, you know, it's dysfunctional and ultimately frustrating forever. Yeah. Yeah, I accept. And for those of you that maybe this is your first time even hearing about this, uh, inventor really is that subjective mindset. Someone who loves to assess and invent a thing. Producer is someone that's more of the objective. What are we building and get it done? And you spoke about that a little bit of the idea that many times people get in this trap where they forget to produce a narrative, to invite and present, and then also to break it down or have some sort of um, completion event in which they assess and see how things went and then reinvent. And I imagine that when you're not doing that, life can get a little complicated because you don't know where you are at any point. Is that what you were feeling before you studied with us? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, uh, very critically, or, you know, skipping right through contracts. You know, contracts were flexible, they, uh, if they existed at all, and all is entirely external. No, no internal contract. No, no holding each other accountable for um, agreements that we make about process and direction you know, on the inside. And you know, without that, and certainly without it externally, you really wind up in a mess really quick. Um, you know, scope creep, uh, particularly in software development in general, but uh, is a is a chronic problem. You know, um, and you know, it's it's uh, with with the specialized knowledge, it becomes obvious. Uh, but you know, you're dealing with clients who don't have the specialized knowledge. And you know, one of the things that uh, you know I've chronically experienced is, um, you know, people ask for a little feature, and you know, sometimes people ask for a big feature, and they don't actually know the difference. Uh, so you know, sometimes people ask for something that's huge and really complicated to them, and you know, we're like, oh yeah, that's no problem. We'll get it taken care of. And then we're wizards. Those are the good times. Other times people ask for, you know, a very small, simple tweak. And they say, you know, we're going to need $10 million in five years because this is an open research question and nobody knows the answer yet. And so, you know, without contracts to guide it, without um, clear expectations set, you know, those, those kinds of conversations don't necessarily go well. Yeah. 
And I, I've heard that a lot from our clients that are sort of in that tech field that, you know, a lot of times it's like you come up with an idea and you just get to work to do it. And a lot of times the process is where you can win or lose on a project. Uh, I've even read in Forbes magazine the idea that the best process wins in a lot of cases. And it sounds like the process simply didn't work for your business and you were growing um, incredibly frustrated with this constant need for some sort of a new process. Am I, am I reading that correctly? How would you say that? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, it would be more accurate just to say I didn't know what was going wrong. I saw the symptoms, of, but I, I didn't know the causes. I didn't, I didn't have any clarity. I just saw that I kept recreating these same situations and experiencing these same frustrations. And, and frankly, I didn't know why. You know, I mean, there, there were things, you know, I, I pushed for a process at various points and, you know, saw that maybe that was a thing that I needed. But, you know, what did that mean? How, how would I go about doing that? I didn't have clarity on any of that. Yeah, I love that for so many reasons. Uh, part of it is just, you know, the concept of like not being able to have the language to explain how that feeling is. And then it sounds like based on what you, you wrote, you saw someone that seemed to be taking off, seemed to be doing something in a similar field, uh, art. Uh, Sean Gillespie, who people that have listened to this podcast will recognize him as being on the podcast a few times, but it sounds like Sean Gillespie started studying with us or you, you knew that he was adjacent to some business education and you asked him about some more. Tell me what it was like when you kind of found out about what influential you was, what was that like? How did you even hear about us through Sean? So, um, was in the backyard. Uh, he was grilling up some sausages or chicken, chicken. I think it was chicken. Um, and you know, I just—he uh, seemed to be doing really well. I, you know, I asked him a little bit about his business, what was going on. Um, you know, I was feeling pretty unsure about my business and where we were and what direction we were going. And, you know, he just was like, "Oh, yeah, things are going great. I've got a team. We're like really pulling it together. Like, I realize, you know, I can't go it alone, and I've got the right people." And we're just cruising. And um, yeah, I said, uh, how does one get involved with this business self-help cult? Uh, <laughs> and he, uh, well, he invited me to an influence accelerator um, in Denver, where, where I am. Uh, both of us are. And um, I, uh, yeah, I, I went, um, you know, met John Patterson, who led it. Um, Went through, you know, learned about the transaction cycle, you know, learned, uh, you know, 13 steps. I mean, you know, just a cursory overview. But uh, the thing that jumped out to me right away, and, you know, uh, after this, you know, I, I went home, I thought about it, um, I decided to, you know, enroll in FOT, and then I decided to, to push my entire team into the program. And it was the linguistic distinctions. Um, I think it's a good model. Uh, I think. FOT or Influential U has, has some really good models. Um, and, you know, like, are they the only models that exist? No, but they're good ones. And, you know, and models are good when they're useful. And I saw that this was something that um, we could use if we could share the language. And, and again, that's why, that's why I thought it was vital that my whole team participate, because we yeah. needed the words. We needed to be able to talk about uh, things and be on the same page to know what we meant when we were measuring, to know like, 
applying concentration and focus. Um, you know, my favorite linguistic distinction um, is is the current. Uh, it's clever wordplay, and it just captures so so holistically uh, that force that we all ride and battle against and swim across and are pulled under by and just just everything about it. Uh, and you know, we I, we talk about the current every day. And, you know, we're in an industry where the current flows swiftly. So it's something that is very much uh, a part of our process is, you know, studying, planning for reinvention. Yeah, if something can be called antique after five years, you know, six years, it, it becomes quite apparent that the technology is evolving rather quickly. And at Ponderware, I, I, I actually got to see the website and it was pretty clear to me, even as someone who's a, kind of a novice and not completely in that world and someone who's kind of been adjacent been to a few of the Twitter, um, I don't even know what it's called, the Twitter hangouts or whatever, where, where they start to talk about it and everyone gets on their little uh, caps and they start to talk about uh, the different products that are, are going on. And, and I'm, I'm constantly blown away by how much information there is. Um, but before I get there, I'd love to ask, are you someone that thrives in teams? Like, did you enjoy teams uh, to the extent that, I mean, you obviously knew they were important, but tell me a little bit about your relationship with working in teams um, before Influential You. So I have long known that um, there are certain skill sets that, that I don't have. And, you know, I don't particularly want. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I, I mentioned in the, in the show notes, uh, I'm, I don't like filling the performer role. I don't like doing that. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know. I'm not grandiose in that way. I'm not uh, excited in in that way in general. I mean, you know, you know, get me onto a technical topic, and I can, I can talk at you for hours. Um, but you know, when it comes to, uh, it's not a field of dreams. Like, if you build it, they don't come. They they don't come. That's, that's just, that's not a thing that happens. I mean, it, it happens very, very sporadically and you can't count on it and you can't build a business on it. Um, you know, and you need someone, you know, and I, I recognize this. I recognize that, you know, this was not a thing I could do. I, I was not a marketer. I could not market very effectively. Um, you know, if, uh, as I said, uh, I've said, you know, if I had invented Uber, I wouldn't have said, uh, this is a revolution in transportation. I would have said, well, it's a way to tackle a subset of transportation logistical issues. I, I think it'll make things a little bit better. And, you know, that's uh, that doesn't sell. That, that doesn't sell super well, you know, because you know, there are so many competing voices in the current. And so I knew that uh, that I was not, I, I wasn't going to succeed on that. And, you know, so, you know, through all the businesses I've started over the years, I always sought out uh, uh, partnerships. Um, but I didn't exactly know what I was looking for. And, you know, this comes back to like how I wound up, uh, you know, in the same partnership over and over mm -hmm. again. Um, and yeah, so I knew that I needed a team, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know who I needed on a team. I didn't know what a, like, what makes a good team, you know? And, and again, like the, uh, the IU personality model really helped clarify that. Like, 
you know, these are the like the broad characteristics that you know you need at different places in the transaction. You know, that's really an aha moment to just see clearly. Like, okay, these are these are the types of people we need, or and these are the types or types of roles that are going to be required. And so, you know, we're either going to do them and be good at them, or find the people who care. Yeah, that's so good, and it's really well spoken. I, you speak with a technical ease that is fun because the words have meaning. Right. And so when you use it, when you, even when you describe the, the Uber and how you would describe Uber, it's very much like uh, crackers and it's, it's very, it's that, that's what it is. It is a cracker. Like this is, this, it tastes like this. It's got a little salt on it. You'll love it. And so it's, to me, it's very direct. Uh, I would love to hear in your own words, tell me about the team. Tell me about what the inventor does, performer, producer, judge. And as someone who I know studies this stuff deeply, and uses the models and practices the models. I just love to hear you walk through a transaction in your own words and talk about what each skill set of each personality um, may do in, in maybe in your world or in, in general. Well, so, you know, starting, um, you know, I, I've always thought that um, judges you know, assess is probably supposed to be at the top, but the transaction cycle must have been drawn by an inventor. It's, I've always, I've always suspected that. Um, but you know, I, I would say that that's that's where it begins. It, you know, it really begins with with assessments. And um, you know, my partner Jason, um, you know, winner at last year's conference. Uh, He's very good at, at, at assessment. He's he's very much a, a judge. He's on the judge performer axis. But you know, it's like you know, what do we need to do? And in our business, like, you know, like what do we what do we need to do next? Where are we? Um, we need to like you know, how's our how's our client pipeline? Um, do we want to do something else? Like, do we have the resources to to strike out and do something else? Then yeah. you know invention comes into play. And we actually, we have a, a broadly um, like consensus-driven sort of inventive process. You know, we're a small, tight-knit team. You know, we, we kick a lot of things around. Um, but eventually, like, as, as a project takes shape and, and requirements start coming in, you know, like, someone steps up and they become the owner of it. And, you know, from then on, they will be directing. Um, and you know, I mean, that's they'll, they'll be, you know, it's like they'll be calling the shots. They will, they will own the vision, and, and that's one of the things. Like to make cool stuff, you've got to have vision. You can't just have like good execution. You can't just have well, you generally can't just have like good marketing. Like you, you need like something has to tie it all together, and that you know that's really what the the inventors bring to the table. Uh, the performers are out there every day telling people that we're awesome um, because you know, like again. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not. That's not me. Uh, it's it, you know, Jason is a bit better at it, but you know, it's like we're like, that's not that's not where we shine. Um, and then you know, we get into uh, like uh, the the contracting in production, and you know, like our contracts. Well, I mean, when we do client work, our contracts are are top notch. We've we've really taken what we've learned about contracting to heart. Uh, we've even written software so that our contracts are beautifully typeset, with very, very sharp, very professional, have like 
very, very thorough listings of their cure, all of the things that are going to happen. Here's when all of the things are going to happen, and they are reference documents. Uh, we go back and we look at them all the time. Um, and you know, this is um, you know, as we as we work through the transaction and we go, you know, through fulfill and into measure, and you know, then you know the judge comes in and this is often Jason. He says, "Whoa, hey, um, you know." We did this, but the contract actually says that we're supposed to do this, or we're supposed to call it this. And, you know, it, that's uh, that's how we negotiate those breakdowns. We are able to refer back to these contracts, and uh, it works really well for us. Um, one of the surprising things um, that we found with some clients is uh, how little attention they pay to the contract. Um, there was a job we did a couple of months ago, and um, you know we. Like, you know, we, we pinged them and sent them a bunch of deliverables. And they said, holy crap, like, why, why are you sending this? Um, this is done. We didn't know. We're not ready for the next step. And they said, well, it's done because this is the day that we said we would deliver it. Like, we wrote it all out. It's, it's all right there. Um, and, you know, that, that was a case where, you know, the breakdown had to go back, all the way back to presentation, because then, you know, like, they wanted some different things, and they hadn't been on the ball, and we had to renegotiate to, uh, and, and recontract to, to complete the job. But, uh, you know, those contracts, boy, powerful, powerful tools. I love that, and I love it for so many different reasons. For those of you who are listening that are clients or students of transactional competence here at Influential U, you just saw a transaction cycle in the personalities in a way that you may not be able to hear them again. That's not a way that you hear it very often. And I love, David, the narrative that you put on it from your perspective and the way that your company works. Secondly, this idea of the contracts. I mean, it's different than what you said, think, build, think, build, think, build. You're really spinning it in a narrative and being really clear in a world of art where in a lot of cases people are crafting art, they don't like contracts. You know, sometimes they come up with this cool idea and they just kind of want it to magically appear. And it's very clear that the magic for you guys is held within the contract and then hitting a mark. We're going to hit this. Watch, we just hit it. Is that fair to say? Tell me a little bit about that experience. Oh yeah, um, you know it's very much. Uh, you know, we we we're able to you know estimate things. I mean, because we break things down, we, we break things down far enough that we can give you know really accurate estimates to our clients, um, and you know generally really accurate estimates internally. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, we uh, yeah we, we we can set them up and knock them down, like and, and we can be efficient and we can be nimble and we can deliver great value. Because like we have this the, this rigor applied at that stage in the process. I hear something in your talking that I, I, maybe it's been pointed out, maybe not. It sounds like you take really a lot of pride in being able to set it up and knock it down. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, I think that we're um, we're phenomenal at execution. We deliver on our promises. And we do it on time, and we do it on budget. Um, and I'm I'm extremely proud to say that, that has been every job that we have worked, we have done. Uh, the the work has been clean. All the project requirements have been met. It's been on budget, and it's been on time. And you know, that uh, that feels great. It feels great. Now, 
the ugly sister of the contract is measurement. The the okay now we must measure a thing, and I know that you know the narratives of measure, which are oh man results and consequences. I I got you. That's my fault. I I shouldn't do that to you. That was unfair. But the results and consequences. Tell me about your relationship to measure because part of the show notes you did a giant essay on measures and how important they are to you and your business. And I'd love to hear what Ponderware is like when it comes to measuring. Well, so, okay, this is why you caught me like a deer in the headlights. Um, <laughs> you know, we just went through measure and map. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, why I wrote a big paragraph on it is because we're trying to work it out. <laughs> we're not there yet. Okay. Um, you know, we, uh, we've got, you know, uh, a lot of it is like understanding what we need to be measuring. You know, like one of the things you know we just worked through is um, so there's there's some data, and you know we ju- we just had a conversation about this last week. You know, there, there's some you know performance metrics um, you know on our, our social media presence, and you know as as coders, uh, you know like the obvious thing for us to do is to pull those in programmatically, automatically populate. You know, spreadsheets, make fancy charts, make graphs. Um, after talking about it, we realized that that was not the right answer and that we actually needed to do it manually. Somebody needed to do it manually because somebody needed to be paying attention. Somebody needed to see each like line item because, you know, like otherwise we'll just glance over it and maybe no one will really look at it. Maybe no one will really understand it. And that's that's one of the things that, that you know, we're coming to learn and understand about measures. Like, you know, I mean, the results and consequences, you you have to like you can't just have a pile of them. Somebody has to be very familiar with them. Somebody has to really be looking at them. And it's so easy to not. It, it's so easy to think that you're looking at them because you have the data. But, you know, like, if, if nobody's looking at the data, like, you're, you're not going to be able to make judgments. Like, you're not going to be able to complete and, and like, make accurate judgments because you think you've measured, but really, like, you're using, uh, you know, like, you know, fancy spreadsheets to just, like, eh, like, glance at and, you know, go with your gut. And, you know, that's... So, yeah, I mean, I, if I sound like I'm a rambly mess on the topic, I am. It's, it's something that's in process I, I love it. And I love that you're working it out. And, and you know, uh, those narratives of results and consequences, did we do the thing that we said we we're going to do in our measurements tend to help with the narrative, the completion, the facts and judgment that we put on it, but most people blow right by it. And so that was why it was so fascinating to me to see you kind of stop and talk a lot about the measures and the way that you're kind of how do I say it? it the, te- the technical dissection of these terms is really a joy to listen to as someone who studies this like I do. And if you're just joining us and you just caught this, uh, I get to talk with David Scarpetti for another few minutes about his company, Ponderware, and what they've learned through the study of transactional competence. He is now in the mechanics and practice program, and I am having a blast. I hope you are. But I'll, I'll say this, David, tell me a little bit about life now. Tell me about why do you continue to study with us in this highly technical philosophical business study? What is it doing for you that you may not be able to get through other educations or uh, programs or specialties? Well, I mean, what it's gotten me 
my team so far? Well, actually, what it's gotten me is my team. Um, you know, I'm I'm in it to build cool shit, man. That's what I do. That's like that's what my motivates me. That's what drives me. Uh, but now I do it with the right people, and without understanding um, what the right people means, I couldn't have gotten that. And you know, without understanding how to how to structure the business, like we wouldn't be in a position now to um, venture off and, and try doing something on our own, you know? And, you know, this is like, you know, a, a great freedom and a, and a great opportunity for us. We'll see how it pans out. But, you know, I mean, this is, this is also, you know, where the conditions of life really come into play. Because, you know, like, and this is always a tension, you know, going back to the current, the tension between, you know, like, what will the current accept? And, you know, particularly in art, like, what is your vision? What, what do you want to create? And, you know, where, really in a lot of ways unapologetically pursuing a very specific vision right now and you know it's uh and like we have the opportunity to say like well you know we can't necessarily guarantee the money like we're we're working hard we think the project is really cool we think it offers a lot um will it succeed in the marketplace um well we're doing everything we can to time will tell um, so we can't necessarily, we're not in control. We're not in control of the money. Like, not entirely. We have a lot of influence over it. But when satisfying that condition of life, you know, we're not the only one like steering the bus. But we are with activity. And that's one of the great things that we have right now. I have my dream job. I'm, I'm, working, I'm working my dream job right now. And that's something you know, we get to choose. We get to choose our activity and, and how to satisfy that. And that's a great privilege. And you know, I don't see that we would have gotten there um, yeah, without uh, without all of the help and, and all of the knowledge and, and all all of the linguistic distinctions that we picked up and continued using. Well, I I love that, and I love not only your uh, dedication to the study, but also the dedication to your team studying it as well. Uh, the idea that you put so many of your client uh, your client your customers, which are your team, as you know the a partner in the company and allowing them to have the opportunity to, to hear this and, and to build things for themselves. You work on a pirate ship, a virtual pirate ship, which is cool. I mean, a little bit. I mean, it kind of, yeah, it's rad when everybody else is just basically staring at Zoom screens. You guys are building cool shit, like you said. So it kind of seems like a fun world that you're uh, co-inventing with the rest of your team. I'd, I love this last part that I, I get to ask people and you have some specialized knowledge that you have in your field that may be valuable or may just be something cool to teach me. And I know that at the beginning I'd said, hey, don't worry about it, don't, no pressure. Uh, but I, I really want to hear something that you could maybe share with me that you've learned through your studies that may be valuable um, in, in my world, uh, or maybe not. But I'd love to just kind of hear where your brain goes when I, when I ask a question or pose a question like that. So, this isn't going to be something that you didn't know, but it's okay. something that I didn't know. <laughs> um, performers, uh, that whole part, the thing that you folks do is really important. Managing relationships, caring about the relationships is part of the work. It's not a thing that happens uh, that's a distraction from the work. It's not an inconvenience that has to be managed um, and, and dealt with, and you know, so we can get back to getting work done. It is a fundamental part of the work, 
and you know performers i think uh, in a lot of ways um it can be difficult to see it can be difficult to understand that value i'm i'm sure you understand it which is why i say this this isn't for you this is this is for me to i i learned that you know yeah, those, those relationships, keeping the relationships, managing the relationships, caring specifically about the relationships is a part of the work. And um, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I, I, it's been profound for me. I love that. And I'd, I'd love to know, you know, because you're a technical guy, you can hear it, it, it kind of, <laughs> please take this joke well. Um, you know, it, it kind of feels like Neo in the Matrix and like you talk through code sometimes. And so sometimes if I'm not paying attention, the zeros and ones I could. Do you feel like you've been able to relate to other humans better through the study of this? Has it kind of given a, a maybe even a map for how to talk with other other people that maybe don't speak as technically as, as you do? Uh, what's your thoughts on, on that question? Oh, absolutely. You know, this actually this this goes this goes back to that first influence accelerator. Uh, John gave us uh, for each personality type. You know, here is how you start a conversation. You know, when you talk to an inventor, you say, "I know you already know this." And you know, like we have literally done that. We I, we have used that. We have used that line verbatim when talking to people who like we identified as inventors. People that we were, you know, we were clashing. We, we were struggling to make headway, and you know, just like. Like, wait a second, this, this person's an inventor. Like, they know everything already. We just, we have to reinforce that. You know? And, you know, like, you know, performers don't like to be tied down. They like to have fun. You gotta, you gotta tell them it's gonna be a really good time. And, you know, just, just those, uh, even those, those, those little conversation starters, you know, even if you see them coming, they work. You know, like, uh, as, uh, you know, when I'm functioning as a producer, you know, you know, like, you know, I really need you involved with this. Okay, I really, really want to bring you in on this. Like, I'm there. Like, you can, you can tell me that's what you're doing. You can tell me, like, I know you're a producer and I know you want to be in on this. So, yeah, why don't you come in on this? And I'm still there. It still works. Yeah, and then uh, of course the judges, you just leave Jason alone, right? And just, just leave. Him alone. <laughs> <laughs> so good, because I mean that that feedback, and, and you even said in the show notes, like the the way that a uh, judge can come and poo poo all over your brilliant code. Um, but when you're welcoming that and when you're able to mm -hmm. allow that, it just makes the entire thing better. And I, I think one of the takeaways that I'm, I'm learning from you is really the power of a team and understanding where your assets and liabilities are, whether or not you think you're more subjective thinker or more objective thinker, understanding where you really enjoy doing the work and where you don't. And I think, uh, David, for me, that's really the value of listening to you talk about this is really seeing someone who may be prone to just having an idea and just doing it or just doing an idea and then and trying to explain it to somebody. You're really getting the right people in the right places so that you continue to get to do the cool shit that you want to and let someone else do the cool shit they want to making a really cool shit pile of great stuff, if you will. So how's that for my performerness? Am I doing all right? <laughs> That's pretty, pretty spot on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I know we're going to talk again, and thank you for being such a great client. Uh, I look forward to having you on in, in future episodes, and maybe at some point we'll get Jason on here. I, I kind of doubt it, but we'll try. 
That's worth a shot for sure. <laughs> Thanks so much to David Scarpetti for being our guest today. Now, if you'd like to know more about us at Influential U, you can go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience like the one that David spoke about. However, if you're brand new and just want to dip your toe in, we recommend that you start with Thrive, our self-guided training. And today's a great day to start that. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences where you can meet people like David Scarpetti. Sign up today and use promo code 20 off. That's 20OFF for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. Once again, that coupon code is 20, the letter O, FF. Thank you so much for listening today. Each week we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific time on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube so you can easily share the episode with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get quality podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we may have talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential Youth staff, faculty, and our members all over the world. A special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contributions from John Patterson, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, Liz Smiley, in the booth, Michael Teehee, thank you so much, Teehee, and our guest, ah, David Scarpetti. Thank you so much, sir. The Influence of You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California, and this episode was recorded on April 12th, 2023. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go onto iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.